You know, we call today Resurrection Day or Easter, and uh, I think it's the best day of the year. I don't know if you agree, but when you think about what Easter means to a believer, if you've given your heart to the Lord, it's what puts vitality and hope into our faith. Do you understand that? And it's because He lives that we can live and will live forever. And the reality of of resurrection is just uh, really, really powerful. And I want that to sink in this morning. And uh, it's interesting today, uh, how many noticed that we got a few doors uh, here? Kind of, uh, yeah, really? Yeah, you're wondering? You're wondering about that? Well, today we're going to start a series on doors, all right? Not about the doors and not the group, the doors, (laughs) but... uh, But we're going to start talking about opening and closing all the right doors. And we're going to do this for the next several weeks. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that the doors that we confront, there are many doors every day. Just think about even this morning, what kind of doors you have gone through already. Maybe your bedroom door or the bathroom door. Hopefully you you visited the restroom already. Uh, Maybe the garage door you're pulling out or the car door as you stepped in. Or we had the doors open this morning. We had them all open, and there was like freezing cold in here. I said, all right, we can't, we can't open them all. But, uh, and, and you walk through those doors, and there's electric doors, and there's sliding doors, and there's pet doors. There's all kinds of doors. The doors are everywhere, aren't they? And it's like, okay, we choose to go through these. In life, there are doors as well, and we are confronted with everywhere we turn. And not doors that you necessarily open and close in a literal fashion, but these doors are choices in front of us. And I believe that every door we find ourselves facing demands a response. Either we open it or close it. And so we're going to look today that Jesus is the door, of course. In fact, in your bulletins, guys, a little uh, idea of where we're headed over the next few weeks. In April, we're going to look at our attitude and the doors, opening the right doors of of attitude. Then we're going to look at uh, opening and closing the right doors in regards to our money, our finances. And then we're going to close up the series at the end of April, looking at our marriages. And you say, well, why these topics in particular? Well, we've been tracking and we pray on the first Sunday of each month, we give opportunity, uh, we give a, a, a prayer card to every single person that comes through our doors, and we say, hey, how can we be praying for you? And as we go through those, we got a stack this high from this last month, and there's a pattern of people struggling with, with money and jobs and with debt and different things like that. And so we're going to talk about that and uh, opening and closing the right doors in that area. And then there are marriages struggling. And you know what's interesting? We kind of show up on Sunday morning and we all look good, right? And you're sitting next to your spouse. And you know what? That doesn't mean a thing, does it? <laughs> Eric Efkin a couple weeks ago said about like comparing families and I really kind of spoke to me. Eric says, you know, a lot of times we compare our worst, you know, what happens at our house because we know the intricate details of, of what happens behind our closed doors. We compare that with what we see on Sunday morning, the best of the best, when people are looking good, looking sharp, and you're not you know, hating each other in front of other people. But how many know there are relationships that are hurting? And so we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about closing the door on divorce and uh, looking at that. And I just want to encourage you to be with us in April, and uh, we want to do that. And we want you to be praying and maybe asking the Lord, who could I bring that would benefit 
from these messages and uh, just believing that God will help us to, to see life transformation. So today's Easter, and today I mentioned already we're going to journey through some scriptures. We're going to look at the, uh, different doors in scripture. In fact, we're going to look at at least 10 of them, and you say, oh boy, you know, what time are we going to get out of here? Don't worry. We're, we'll, we'll, we'll clip through pretty quick, and we're looking at opening and closing all the right doors. Now, before we go any further, I just, I've got a little uh, confession I've got to make. Um, this week, I opened a door um, that I wish I wouldn't have, and uh, if I could go back, I would have taken it back, um, and it has to do with uh, my haircut. Um, I, do, I cut my own hair about every three or four weeks. I, thank you, yeah, <laughs> and um, you know, I get out the clippers in my, in my, <laughs> in my bathroom, and I, I, I just go to town, and then I have Jessica come and make sure I get it all, right? And she helps me out. Inevitably, I miss a little bit. Well, this time, I also, when I cut my hair, I also trim up my eyebrows, okay? Now, now I do this because, you know, you know, you know how, many, how many guys are, are man, enough, man enough to say that either you trim your eyebrows or whoever cuts your hair trims your eyebrows? Okay, good. I'm not the only one. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So I, I don't know why, but I started, I, I got all everything out. I got the attachment because it's a different attachment for my eyebrows than my head. And I didn't put the attachment on. And I'm like, all right. And check this out, everybody. All right. All right. I opened this door and I shaved off my right eyebrow <laughs> completely. Now, I can't see your faces, but I can hear your, oh, there you are. You're smiling. No one's leaving. Lock the door. And I'm like, what have I just done? I yell up to Jessica. I'm like, Jessica, come down here. And she's like, what? And I'm like, it's an emergency. <laughs> she comes in. She's like, what? And I go, uh. and she goes, ah! I'm like, what do I do? And she says, I said, do I cut the other one? She said, no, don't cut the other one. And so we tried for like 20 minutes to kind of thin out the other one. I was like, forget it. And I shaved the other one. And so for the next few weeks, I know eyebrows. <laughs> All right. So, so, so now you can kind of track with me. And, uh, <laughs> and I hope that doesn't affect the way you look at me, although it probably will. So anyway, <laughs> Anyway, we've been praying that this series in particular, uh, at this series in this, in this life of the church, of, our, of this season of our church, would be a blessing to you. And I pray that today will be a blessing to you as well, life transformation. And I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis, all right? We're going to start right in the very beginning. And again, if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to grab one because we're going to flip through a lot of scriptures. And I want to look at the first door is in the Garden of Eden. Now, God, of course, you know the story, if you've been a part of church at all in your life, that God created everything. And then at the very end, after he created all the animals and the plants and the, the atmosphere, and he created the earth and all these things, the fish of the sea, then on the last day, he created, um, he created man, and he created, he created us in his own image, and we understand that. And what's so beautiful about Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is that really we see uh, this beautiful picture of paradise. 
Adam and Eve, they had a fluid relationship with God in the garden. And I would call this an open door. There was no restrictions between God and Adam and Eve. And they walked with God. They talked with God. And I can't even imagine what that might have been like. It was a a perfect bliss. But then, in Genesis chapter 3, sin entered into the world. Adam and Eve, they chose another door. They found their own door. They thought they could do it better. And really, it was a door of rebellion. And as as we understand, as we read, when Adam sinned, he slammed the door in the face of God. And I would call this a closed door. God could have, at that moment, taken Adam and Eve out and just sizzled them right out on the spot. He could have forgotten mankind and turned his back and said, wow, that was an unusual experiment and you know, went and started something else. But God didn't. At that moment, God had a choice and God chose to pursue Adam and Eve. He pursued them. And you know what's interesting? He's been pursuing us ever since. Adam and Eve, they go and hide. And how many know that God can see through any door? (laughs) There's no closed doors when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. He sees it in, sees into our lives. But because they opened this door of rebellion, the first sacrifice was made. An animal was taken. Verse 21, skins were made from animals. And I can't even imagine at that moment, I was running yesterday in Kalamazoo um, where my in-laws live, and, and I ran right by this huge lot that had hundreds of sheep. And I was just, and I was thinking about my message, and I'm like, man, I've never seen a, a sheep actually butchered or die. I've never, I've never had the privilege of seeing that. Well, neither had Adam and Eve. And can you imagine what that might have been like for them, even if they were hiding, to kind of hear those sounds of a sheep or a lamb losing its life on their behalf. Verse 23, you can look at there. They were banished from the garden. In fact, I want to uh, uh, look at a couple of these verses. It, it, and uh, verse 21, the Lord made garments of skin for Adam and Eve. That's what I was talking about. Verse 23, so the Lord, the God, banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. Verse 24, he drove the man out and he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. God put a door at the entrance of the Garden of Eden and protected that. And I want you to know that that angel there was not an angel of judgment, but it was an angel of peace. It was an angel of grace and forgiveness. Yes, they were taken out of the Garden of Eden, but it was for their own protection that they wouldn't get to the tree of life. Doors. If you fast forward in Scripture, turn with me to Exodus chapter 11 and 12. We see another set of doors, hundreds of thousands of doors in Egypt. The Israelites are in slavery uh, for hundreds of years, and God calls Moses to free his people. He goes to Pharaoh on many occasions, he hold, he, uh, and, and Pharaoh holds onto the people through nine different plagues. 
But the tenth plague comes, and Moses says to the Israelites, Look, tonight, kill a lamb, take the blood of the lamb, and put it over the door frames of your homes, and your children will be saved. The firstborn, not only your firstborn kids, but the firstborn of every flock in your, in your, um, in your life. The tenth plague happens. The death angel passes over and kills the firstborn all across Egypt. Again, can you even imagine what that might have been like? My firstborn son, my only son, Logan, if I woke up and he was gone, I'd be devastated. But again, a picture of a door, a picture of what Christ was going to do. He was the blood sacrifice for us. We fast forward a little more into Exodus chapter 26 and they're out uh, in the wilderness or, uh, or they, the Israelites are now decided to build a, t- a tabernacle unto the Lord. And within that tabernacle, there were many doors, but there was also a door which we, which we describe as a veil and uh, it separated the Holy of Holies where God would dwell himself from the rest of the tabernacle. Chapter 26 uh, describes this. And it's interesting that when we think of a door or an entry or an access, it's from one environment to another. And this door, this veil was so thick that it would take two horses, uh, it's been said, to rip it even a little. Three feet wide, this veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the tabernacle. And I talk about this door, this, this barrier, because behind it was the power and the presence of God. And it was so real and it was so feared that there were only certain days that the priests would go in and uh, that they, they would be careful to purify themselves lest they would be killed in the presence of God. There are lots of doors in the Old Testament, open doors and closed doors, uh, Egypt and the tabernacle, and there's, there's others we could study. But I want to fast forward to the New Testament. Would you turn with me to John chapter 10? And I want to look at a few verses here um, uh, that Jesus is describing himself as a shepherd, but also as a gate or a door. And let's listen to what he says in John chapter 10. He says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate or the door, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is a shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opened the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So he's describing the situation, a shepherd and the sheep, and there's these gates, and then there's a, and what's interesting is they would have understood in the natural that, that the shepherd, they, were under, they would have understood that very clearly, and that a shepherd would have a, uh, a sheepfold, a, a measure of sheep that he would guard. There may be a fence around that sheep, or they would kind of hold the sheep in, and the gate that let the, um, the sheep uh, gave them protection, was actually the shepherd. 
A shepherd would lay down his life, literally, would lay down and not allow the sheep to enter or to exit in, uh, at certain times. The shepherd would do that for his sheep to protect them. They understood that symbolism, but Jesus wasn't talking about sheep in the literal sense of, ah, but he was talking spiritually, and he was talking about himself. And it goes on, and so Jesus continues, he says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have ever come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. In verse 9, I am the gate, or I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes in only to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that they would have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So he's describing himself as a shepherd at this point. It's a beautiful imagery of, of what God does for us and what Jesus provides for us. In those scriptures, we see that the devil's agenda is to destroy the door, to destroy Jesus. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus, he would lay down his life for us. If you go to verse uh, 17, it says, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. What's so interesting is that Jesus, he understood his role. What God was calling him to do. Now, was it easy what Jesus was called to do? No way. In fact, in Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46, we see another set of doors that Jesus is at the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's asking God for another way, for another door. He's sweating drops of blood, knowing what was to come. He's facing a door of pain and suffering, and he's saying, God, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. But Jesus, he recognizes that it was the only way. Jesus had said that earlier in Scripture. In John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What I want you to see here, not only in John 14, but in John 10 and in other, in other places throughout Scripture, Jesus does not say, I am a way. He doesn't say, I am a a door, he says, I am the way. I am the truth, the life. Jesus says, I am the door. He's the only way to salvation. It's not through Buddha or Joseph Smith or Scientology or Islam. It's not by your works that you're saved. You are saved only through the blood of Jesus. Now, if you have a different opinion from me this morning, don't be mad at me. I'm just telling you what God's Word says. Amen? The God's Word says He is the only way. He's the truth. He's the life. He is the door. So what happens? Jesus goes to the cross, 
He takes our sins. Revelation 1.18 says that He takes away the keys of death from Satan. He destroys the door of death and sin. And you know what's interesting? We celebrate every Sunday that resurrected Savior. And especially on Easter, we join together. And that's why we're here, to lift up the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What happened is Jesus reopened the door. The veil that we talked about in the Old Testament in the tabernacle, that three feet wide, was split from top to bottom when Jesus took his last breath. But Jesus didn't stay in the grave. That tomb, that, that stone that was rolled and shut door, that shut door was not closed forever. It rolled away. He was raised from the dead. And you know what it says in Scripture? Jesus now he is living at the right hand of the Father. And what is He doing? He's interceding for you and for me. He loves us so much. He's, he's praying for us. He cares about us. He knows exactly where we are. He knows the hurts. He knows the pain. He knows the struggle. He knows the good, too. He celebrates with us. The fact that we got to 200 last Sunday, he, I know that the angels in heaven are rejoicing. I, I, I'm sure of it. When you get a raise, he is celebrating. When you pass the test, he's saying, way to go. He loves us so much. But not only is he ex- interceding, do you know what else he's doing? Turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. I love this. Revelation chapter 3 Verse 20, Jesus describing the church of Laodicea, and uh, there's a whole lot in there. But let's look at verse 20 in, in particular. Jesus says, this, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Another door. He stands at the door of your heart, and he knocks. He doesn't barge in. He doesn't force himself in. He doesn't come in without invitation. He's a gentleman, but he stands and he knocks and he waits for us. And then it says, if anyone, everyone say anyone. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Now, church, Jesus, he extends his nail-scarred hands to you and to me. And he says, I want to be your door. And anyone can come through. Prostitutes, murderers, adulterers, whoever, whenever liars, cheaters, people filled with greed can come to the Father. If you struggle with gluttony or anger or any other multitude of sin, Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone would open that door, I will walk in. You know what I was thinking about? You know, you go to Meijer or to Walmart or wherever you grocery shop, and they've got these electronic doors. You know, you walk up, and uh, 
and it opens up. And it doesn't matter if you're fat or if you're tall or skinny or if you're ugly <laughs> or you know, whatever. I mean, there's no respecter of person. When you go to Meyer, they the door opens, right? And the same is true. When you come to the Father, you come to that door, and you're ready to go, that door will open for you. There's no restrictions. It doesn't matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. The Holy Spirit says, come. Now listen, life is a series of doors, and we get to choose. We have free will. And I was thinking about three important doors that we cannot avoid in life. The first one is our, the door of birth. When we were born into this world, that door was open for us. We had no choice. Now, others in our lives had that choice. They, they were able to, to uh, you know, make that happen, which is great. But we're all here. We're all breathing. And that door of birth opened for us. And again, we didn't have any choice. There's another door that we don't have any choice about, and that's the door of, what do you think it is? Of death, right? And at some point, as we track through life, unless the Lord would return for us, which, Lord, come quickly, amen? But if the Lord doesn't return, we will all, at some point, breathe our final breath. The door of death will open up for us at some point. But there's another door that we cannot avoid, and that is the door, Jesus, salvation. And the choice is ours. God, he stands and knocks, of course, but we have to receive. Now, some people, they will put it off. They may say, well, there's too many questions I don't understand, or maybe I'm hurting too much, and I, I just, I'm not, I can't go there. Or maybe, maybe it's this morning you're saying, man, I've got it good. My life is fine. I'm doing okay on my own. I don't need a Savior. Well, let me just say that the Bible describes that eternity, if you don't accept Christ, you will spend an eternity in hell away from a loving Father. And the choice is right there. And you say, well, I've got time or I've got, you know, I, I'm going to just live my life the way it is and maybe at some point I'll surrender my life. Well, let me just say this as well. The only time that we can guarantee is right now, right here today. And my heart for you is that there would be, uh, not one of you would leave here without making your heart and your life right with the Lord. And you say, well, I'm going to just put it off for a little longer. Well, at some point, whether your life is full of success or full of pain, you will come to the point in your life saying, is this all there is to life? How many have been there before? You're saying, boy, I've been there. You're saying, boy, there's got to be something more. Well, church, there is something more. It's Jesus. I believe that inside of all of us, there is a desire for the door, for Jesus. And Hebrews 10, 19 and 20 describes that the veil has been torn, that we have full access to Jesus. There's grace and forgiveness just like there was in the garden. And again, a door is a means of entry of access. It allows us to move from one environment to another. And this morning, my heart is that we would move from a lost state to a found state. 
But it doesn't matter. No matter what door we go through, there may be serious repercussions. Kind of like my eyebrows. (laughs) There were serious repercussions when I opened up that door. Ouch. But you know what? When you choose the way, the truth, and the life, there, and you choose to serve the Lord, there are abundant rewards waiting for you and for me. I love what Revelation 22 says right at the end of Scripture. It describes the Spirit of God drawing us to a loving Heavenly Father. The Spirit says, come. Come, Jesus. The door is open once again. The first Adam shut the door, but the second Adam, Jesus, reopened that. And when you look at Revelation 22, it's as if it said, whosoever will, let him come. Come as you are, wretched one, come. Sinner, come. Poor or rich, come. Come to the living water. Come to the fountain of life. Come to the wellspring of healing and reconcile with God. This morning, the call, first of all, is for us to come to Jesus. Mary, I know I didn't ask you uh, this before service. I, I, it slipped my mind. But would you mind and come and just, just play just to set our hearts before the Lord? I want us this morning, no matter where you've been, no matter where you think you're going, I want you to stop right now and to say, God, the choice is mine. I understand that. What will I do with that door? The door of salvation. Will you hear this morning and turn away and walk out of here still lost? Or will you hear and respond to a loving Savior and get your life right with God. Church, the reason we exist is to see the lost found. And if you are here this morning, you do not have a relationship with Jesus. This morning, we've been praying for you. We've been asking God to open up your heart to receive all that God has for you. And I'd like to ask that you'd bow your head, close your eyes this morning. I'm going to ask that no one would look around. And there are a lot of people here that I know. There's a lot of people here today that I don't know. And I don't want to take it for granted that you just know the Lord. But could you answer the question, is Jesus the Savior of your life? If you would answer, yes, pastor, that's where I am today. I know without a shadow of a doubt that if I were to die today, that I would live forever in heaven. Could you just, if, would you just slip up your hand if that's you today? Yeah, sure. Isn't that a wonderful assurance? You're saying, yeah, I know for sure. You can put your hands down. Well, the reality this morning Even as I looked across this place, not everyone was able to lift their hands to the Lord and say, yep, I know for sure 
that I would find my way to heaven through God's grace. I'm saved. And if you're here this morning, please listen to the Spirit as He's drawing you today. He longs for nothing more than for you to surrender your heart, to say yes to Him. Now, does that mean your life will be perfect and full of, you know, celebration all the time? No, we're still in this life. But in a moment, we're going to look at a verse that describes how we live as believers. John 16, 33, and we'll get there in just a moment. But if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I need to come back to the Lord or I need to surrender my life to Jesus for the first time, either way, would you just slip up your hand right where you are? I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but who this morning would say, that's where I am today? The Holy Spirit's drawing you. And you may be visiting today, not a regular tender, but today is a day of salvation for you. Who this morning would say, that's me. I wanna, I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. Anyone at all this morning say, that's just where I am. Look on my right, your left, over here. Anyone at all say, boy, that's me. How about in the center section? Say, yep, that's me. On the left, my left, your right. Wait much longer. All right. If I could have your eyes on me for another moment. There are no hands raised this morning. And whether that's a, a, a sign that we all are believers, or maybe there's some that just aren't ready to commit and maybe they're seeking, that's okay as, as well. Easter is all about Jesus providing a way for us for salvation. We understand that, don't we, as believers? But there's more to Easter than just a salvation experience. I want everyone to turn with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, the Lord put this verse in my heart about a month ago as I was praying about Easter and about the series that we're going to be in. In the, the context here, in John chapter 16, the disciples, Jesus is, is describing that he's going to go away and uh, he's got to go away. They'll be filled with grief, but that grief will turn back into joy. And it's, uh, we don't, I don't want to take the time to read that whole chapter. But at the end of the chapter, verse 33 he says, look, I've described all of these things for you. He's talking to his disciples, those who already believe. He says, I've told you these things. Why? So that in me you may have peace. He says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. 
Isn't that incredible? Take heart. I have overcome the world. So what does that mean for us as believers? It means that we as believers can walk in confidence. We can know that God is in control. We can give our troubles and our fears and our tears and all our failures. We can give our pain to the Lord. And he says, look, take heart. You will have trouble. But take heart. Have peace. I have overcome the world. God is our healer, church. He will take our burdens. He will take our shame. He will bring justice for our circumstances. He's a God of grace. He's a God that is our refuge. He's our strength. And Easter is about not only understanding a salvation moment of accepting Christ as our Savior, but it's walking as overcomers. And this morning, I I want each of us to take a look at this verse. Say, God, how am I doing? How am I making it through life? Have I lived my life such a way that your life is shining through me? Am I living an overcome coming life? There's a song that Hillsong sings that's based off of this verse. John 16.33 And it's a song that describes Jesus and his sacrifice And then it describes the result of what he's done. And it doesn't say on Easter Sunday or anything like that, but it's a beautiful song that has been challenging me. And this morning, I want to experience this song together. And so guys in the back, if you could go ahead and let's go ahead and transition into this. And listen and watch the words of this song. And then we'll close here in just a moment.
And it provides for us truth and freedom. And there's a victory song that we can all sing. And I'm going to ask that you would stand with me. And I want you to sing the words of the song as we kind of continue. And it goes, all our troubles, all our tears, and they'll kind of go on. Let's sing it out together. All our tears. This is our victory shout. God, our hope. He has overcome. Even if you fail today, all our fear. God is love. God our love. He has overcome. He has overcome all our If you're hurting today, all our pain. Every pain. God our healer. He has overcome all our burdens. All our shame, God, our freedom, He has over. Come on, say it out loud. All our troubles and all our tears, God, God, our hope, He has overcome. Oh, 
song, God. We praise your name, God. Lord, you are amazing, God. You have overcome. Lord, you are overcoming, God. Oh, Lord, we give you our hearts and our lives, God. And because you have overcome, we have overcome. We can walk in confidence, God. We can know your ways, God. Lord, we can call upon you, Lord. And Lord, you will answer us no matter what we may face, God. And God, this morning, I pray for your people, God. Lord, I pray from the front to the back, God, that we would understand who you are. And God, that today, Easter would be about salvation, yes. But it will also be about overcoming in our lives. Lord, your word has given us great freedom to walk in truth. And God, I pray, Lord, that today, that no matter where we are, we would rest in you. Lord, that there would be peace. There would be joy. And God, that we would be victorious because of the work that you have done for us on the cross. God, we love you. Just tell the Lord, we love you, Lord. We lift you up, God. We honor you today, God. We bless your holy name. And God, today, I pray that you would go before us, behind us, and all around us. Lord, that we, as your people, would walk in your ways. And we pray it all in Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen.